This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. We're getting closer to the one-year anniversary. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders and certainly hope it has been beneficial. In addition, thank you for all the support you have provided on the book that was recently published, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are, you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. Paperback, ebook, and audiobook are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple. I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business and to those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, many times in this industry, you will hear from people or you even may be thinking, I really don't want to sell tickets or sales just isn't for me. Our next guest certainly has had that thought and even turned down sales jobs until ultimately landing in sports and is now a successful C-level executive. I'm excited to have Gretchen Shear, Chief Revenue Officer of the Houston Rockets. Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hi, Travis. Thanks for having me. Gretchen, I'm certainly excited for our conversation today, and I look forward to hearing all the advice you have for the listeners. And let's start where we kicked it off. Your dad was an engineer. Your mom raised you and your twin brother and your two younger brothers, so I assume that helped with your competitive mindset. So how was it growing up with three brothers? It's um, probably what every uh, female out there who has to share a bathroom with three boys thinks that it is. So it was – it was fine. I mean, it's all, it's like whenever people ask about what life was like growing up or what you did, it's sort of, it's like, it's like all you ever knew. So I had a great childhood. I have a great family. We're all still really close, but we were all, um, we were all competitive athletes. So I think you had sort of asked before, like what, what that meant in our household. So there was definitely a lot of competition and we didn't all, we didn't all play the same sport. So then it was just a competition of like, whose sport is better and is it easier to be in an individual sport or to be on a team sport? So that was, that was our life growing up. And now our competitiveness has turned into like who boils the best crawfish and who's the best at washers. So I was going to say, I assume at the family reunions, there's still some sort of competitive nature that's going on. Yes. We were just all together for Easter and it was like drama on one of my brothers boiled the crawfish. And then it was like drama on, if it was too salty or too spicy and yeah, so. there's always something well, always there. Well, Gretchen, you grew up in Houston and you were certainly a pretty good athlete specifically with gymnastics and swimming. And so was sports always something you wanted to pursue as a career? No. Um, I don't, 
I don't really know what I ever wanted to do as a career, like when you when you grow up. So I I spent most of my life as a gymnast, and then I swam, um, and, you know, just in the summers, and I happened to be decent at that. And then I started diving. That was an easy transition from gymnastics to diving. And so my whole life, I just I just trained all the time. So I never really I had goals. Um, I think I realized I was never going to be Olympic level, so I always had goals to go to college, hopefully to get a scholarship, but that was where all my passion, all my dreams were laid in, so I didn't really think about having to work until it got close to graduating college, and I was like, yeah, probably going to need a job here pretty soon. Now the real world's hitting me. Well, you end up going to LSU, and you participate on the diving team, and that's certainly an individual sport, but you're also a teammate as well. So how do you feel like, for your perspective, being part of collegiate athletes helped build you as the individual you are today? Yeah, I was just talking to a, a friend of ours who has a niece who's deciding on where to go to school, and she's deciding on whether or not to go to a um, like a smaller school and play soccer or go to – a larger school and, and not play. And I am just, I'm all in on college sports. So if you get the opportunity to do it and you're, and you're that good, I think, I think you should take advantage of it. I think the skills that you learn, it's like having a job and going to school right. at the right. same, at the same time. And so the dedication, the self-motivation, the competitiveness and the drive to just be your best self and, and, you know, in your words, right. Just to hustle yeah. kind of every, every day and to, and to have that mindset. I think that. Um, I just think athletics sets people up for so much success that anyone that has a chance to do it should do it. Well, you mentioned there's a lot of skills that are, are easily transferable and that you're still applying to your everyday. And you Gretchen, while you were at LSU, you received a degree in marketing and you started working on some sports projects. Um, and then, however, that's when you received some sales offers, I think three to be exact, but you really had zero interest in selling tickets. I know a lot of our listeners have probably said that same thing either prior to getting the business or they still may think that. Why did you have that feeling back then, and what is your advice to listeners that, that may be thinking the same thing? Yeah, I I think it's before you know, before you understand business, right? Like I think people have a stigma of what they think sales is like, and I was definitely one of those people. And I was like, I did not go to college, I did not do all of this to, you know, in essence, take a sales job. So I I took a different opportunity out of school. It didn't work out in the long run. I ended up. And I ended up in sales. And then when you under, when you start to learn the business and understand that no matter what you're doing, right, whether it's finance or marketing or community relations, like, yes, you're doing all those things to grow your brand and to give back, but you're doing it because at the end of the day, no matter where you work or what you do, your company is selling something to somebody. Yeah. And I think when you realize where that fits into and you understand, um, you know, sales and, and how it fits into an overall business structure it's super important to stay close to the money and then once you get into it and you realize you can kind of control your own destiny it's it's a great career path so I'm glad I glad I eventually ended up in it <laughs> was there looking back at that time in your life was there advice that you received that really helped solidify what you wanted to do or even you know going through that process that said you know what this, this makes sense to be in that that sports world and that business revenue generation yeah, so my I think I was having like the same conversation that we're having now, right? I think I think a lot of people do that. They take their sales job and then they take it so that they can get out of sales, right? right. They want to come, they want to show that they can learn the business, they want to show that they can deliver value to the company, and then they want to get the hell out, right? And my first boss was like, nobody stays 
in this part of the business. And it was t- ticketing sales was how I came up. But nobody stays in this in this part of the business long enough to become an expert, right? And um, and the, and the leagues and the industry has come a long way in, in realizing how much revenue and how much opportunity comes through tickets. So it was it was that piece of advice to become the expert that really um, you know kind of solidified my my decision to go all in on the ticketing side. So you know, and we'll certainly get to that in your your time at, at Game Face. But you know, prior to that, you end up starting your career with the Houston Hot Shots, which was an indoor soccer team. You know, again, right where you grew up there in Houston. And I think believe you have a pretty entertaining story about that interview. You care to share that process? Yeah, I think you're alluding so to date myself. So I graduated college in 2000, summer of 2000. So I was. Uh, I had interviewed, I'd gotten a couple of ticket sales jobs, and this was a marketing rep position in in Houston. And um, I was flying to my twin brother's college graduation in San Antonio. So there was a layover from Baton Rouge to Houston to San Antonio. And so he met me at the gate in my in my layover at you know on the on the way there. And that's that's where we did the interview because he was he needed to hire someone. I was graduating, I needed a job, he needed someone, and, and that was the only that was the only time that worked face to face. And back then you could just go to the airport. You could meet somebody at the airport. Yep. Yep. Nice. And so then, you know, less than a year into that role, the team folded. So it was time for, for you is what's next. And so you end up going out to Portland, Oregon to work in telemarketing for game fight game face. Why did you decide to go that route after really not wanting to be in sales and ultimately even taking that marketing role right out of college? Probably some of that was competitiveness. Like I said, I had a twin brother, so we were graduated at the same time. So I'm sure he had, like, just gotten some great job offer. And so I couldn't, you know, going back to live at home with mom and dad would not have been good for my for my ego. And this was an <laughs> opportunity. And, you know, I had never, when I was graduating college, I wasn't trying to get back to Houston. That's just what happened. And so um, the opportunity to move to a different part of the country and, and try something new at, at a time in my life made made sense. So, uh, yeah, so I went out there. And so as you as you look back, you know, and I guess some advice for the listeners, a lot of listeners, as you know, going through a lot of the recruiting you've done in your career is, uh, I'm not sure if I want to move away from, from home, my, you know, kind of safe zone, my family and friends. And, you know, ultimately, you always say is you never know where you may end up back. And we'll get into your career if you, you made it back home. But why was it important for you? And what is your advice for, hey, it's okay to, to take that plunge. And, you know, you moved to the Northwest for a couple months. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I will, I, I grew up in a, a, I was very fortunate, right? And so I, you know, had, I had parents that could help me, right? And so what my worst case scenario was, if things didn't work out, was I could go back home, right? I, um, and so I, I, everyone's in a different situation. Some people cannot take that kind of risk. So for me, it was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I think losing that first opportunity and that team folding, um, there's nothing like, you know, I'm sure plenty of people have had it, right? When you lose a job, like it sort of is eye-opening and knowing that you can bounce back from that gives you a bit of a confidence. I think sometimes early in your career that that can create fear. And so since it was something that I had already lived through, I was like, worst case scenario, I go out there, it doesn't work, and I'm back to where I started, where I need to figure out what what else I'm going to do. 
Yeah, kind of what's next. Well, you while you're out in Portland, you're there for a three-month program. You're selling for the Columbus Crew, you know, in soccer, the Everett Aqua Sox, the LA, in an L.A. Dodger project, as well as a few additional minor league teams. How was that, you know, looking back at your time, how was that overall experience for you, and how did that really help? All right, hey, this is my first glimpse into sales, and you know what? I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, I thought you would ask a bit earlier, like, what the career advice was that I got that, that you know, kind of made me – stay in the, stay in the sales path, I think. Um, and that came after when I was, yeah, when I was yeah. working at the Rockets, but while I was at Game Face and I was doing telemarketing, I was doing ticketing. I, you know, I remembered, I was like, this is ironic that I'm doing this because, you know, I would probably still, I may still have a job had I taken one of the ticket sales jobs out of, out of college. And I think at that moment, there were so many teams who didn't have a sales setup or an inside sales structure, the ticket sales, um, you know, org charts that exist and, and the different departments that exist today. There was such a need for talent and for somebody to do these roles where we were working on five different projects at the same time. It, it became very clear to me from a business perspective that there, that there was a need and that this was an important piece of people's business. Otherwise, this company wouldn't, wouldn't exist. So I think that's when I realized um, that uh, that this was going to be a good a good opportunity and a good path. No, I know Gretchen. Talking to you in the past, there's some some funny and interesting processes where you you are selling five different teams. So somebody may call in, or you're calling and trying to figure out which one. Is there a, a unique or, or kind of you know funny story you think back in your three months program of trying to sell you know one from an LA Dodger to a Columbus Crew to an Aqua Sox, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, like, you definitely had to learn to think on your feet. So the technology is not where it is today, right? Then you would have had, like, different extensions or they would have routed the phone numbers or we probably wouldn't have even – we probably would have been social selling through all of it. Who knows what we been doing? But, you know, then that didn't exist. So just everything came in through – kind of through the same line. So you had to learn – I mean, it was a good – it was definitely helpful in your sales um, development because you had to learn to think – on your feet and how to handle any sort of thing that was thrown your way. So when you thought you were answering a call or calling for the Dodgers, but you were really working on, you know, a minor league baseball or a hockey, you know, right, event, right. then it, yeah, it you had to you had to you had to change your you had to change your story pretty quickly. So. To your point, thinking fast on your feet for sure. And so after your program, you get the chance to go back home to Houston. You start working for the Rockets and. Was it important to you back then that you went back to Houston? No, not at all. I mean, when I went out there, one of one of the reasons why I liked that opportunity is because, um, you know, they had all these projects and all these teams would, would also be hiring someone at the same time. So odds are that you would probably go to work for one of the teams on the project that you were working on, which could have been anywhere across the country, which was really appealing to me. Um, I had, there was no intent ever to, it was nice, right? I'm glad that, I mean, I have a great life, right? So I'm glad, I'm glad that Houston was hiring, but that was never, that was never a requirement or never really the intent. It just, it just worked out that way. No, absolutely. And, you know, looking back to those years, I'm sure you never dreamed you'd spend the next 20 plus years within the same organization there with the Rockets. And you've had some great experiences as you've moved into a new arena, have had some very successful teams and have helped grow many successful salespeople um, and, and overall, you know, just top people in our industry. So looking back at your time there in Houston, what has been your best memory? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I I don't know. I mean, there's so many. Like, I think that there it depends on which. Like, is it a personal memory? Is it a professional memory? My Let's favorite do one of each, maybe. Yeah. So, okay, so one of my one of my favorite game moments. Um, we have a community program where um, kids from underserved communities come come to the game. Sometimes our players partner and some sponsor them. Sometimes the organization just says that. My mom was working um, at a school at the time, so her her kids came to a uh, came to a game, and they would never, you know. Odds are that this, for the most part, it was many, many people's first games, and um, we were playing the Spurs. It was, and it was the game where we were. I mean, we were losing. Like everyone left the building. There was only like a couple thousand people left in it, and it was McGrady had 13 points in 35 seconds, and it was so loud. And you know, and every year, like that memory comes up, and I just remember being there was about 20 kids um, from from the school that was out there, and I just remember sitting at the top of the upper deck with my mom and like and her students watching kind of history we made. So that was pretty cool. And then um, I was thinking about, like, memories with kind of through your career path and things that have passed. So I think you know Chris Garthy, who was with us for um, for a really long time as an organization who passed away a few years ago after a battle with cancer. And we were doing a fundraiser for his family. And I just sent a note out to, like, a bunch of people in the industry that I knew from ticketing and they had all kind of heard what was, what was happening. So we just asked for some items and like the amount of support, like that this kind of ticketing family, it was like the NBA ticketing family. People had gone to different leagues at that point. And um, so we hosted this event and, you know, he passed away a few months after that, but I mean, the money, I think we ended up raising like five times the, the amount that we set out to raise. And it just really helped, you know, sustain his family for the year after he we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away And, like, that would have never happened without people like you and, and others that, that were in this business. And so, you know, everyone's career path goes a different direction and they go to different places. But when they all had to kind of come together to help someone out, it was, it was pretty awesome. And I think it's a, it's a great story because a lot of times when I ask guests on here is, is their best memory, a lot of time it's the same thing, right? It's, it's not necessarily wins or losses. It's about how you've impacted an overall experience for, for family, friends, business associates, et cetera. So a lot of great experience a, there. I mean, if I had a ring, I'd probably say <laughs> winning. Wouldn't we all? Unfortunately, that happens. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. 
which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Very few of us, though. So. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Gretchen Shear, CRO of the Houston Rockets. Gretchen, before going into your professional journey there at your time in Houston, let's talk about you blazing trails as a successful female in this industry. And first, you're married with two kids. Uh, what does the work-life balance, if, if that's such a thing, look like for you? Oh, I was like, it's a hot mess is probably what it looks like. <laughs> to to so, put it easily? Yeah, I get asked that question all the time. Like, how do you do it? And, you know, I think, look, it's, I'll be very I'm, – I'm super fortunate in, in my career and, and in my life. And so for the vast majority of, um, you know, up until COVID, like we've always had – We've always had help. We've always had a nanny or a babysitter or someone that's been there. And so um, it is much harder for for the vast majority of people than, than it has been. But, um, yeah, but it, it's tough. I mean, in this industry, it's hard, right? Like every industry has their own quirks on, on hours. But for us, it's, you know, you play on holidays, you play on nights, you play yep. on weekends, and you still have to run the business, you know, during during the day. So the amount – of hours um, is is hard. So, uh, you know, I'm fortunately like, you know, we, I, we have a lot of family. My family's around here. I have a super supportive spouse. You know, but it's it's um, yeah, it's hard. So, yeah. I think I think at some point I realized just to not to take a little bit of the stress off and realize that I was just going to be terrible at one thing at some point. So sometimes yeah. I'm a terrible employee because you know I'm not I'm not engaged because I'm torn on something else and um and you know sometimes I'm you know feel like a terrible mom because I'm you know at a track meet but responding to emails and miss a race because I look down and the race is too short right it was over yeah. yeah now are you encouraging your kids to kind of follow in the sports path um is that something that you know hey you're hoping that they follow suit yeah, so my daughter, like, I tease her all the time that she breaks my heart because she would, like, wearing a leotard or some suit, like, she had no interest in, <laughs> in gymnastics or diving. My son is, like, is, like, he's very musical and, um, and super smart and into a bunch of things, but he's not, he's not overly athletic or competitive. My daughter is super competitive, and people that know me know that that is one of my traits. <laughs> she makes me look, like, I mean, I don't know where she gets it from, but uh, yeah, but she plays every sport with a ball. So the exact opposite of me. So of what you grew up, she's yeah. a really good basketball player and she's a really good soccer player and she's super fast and likes to run. So everything that I'm terrible at and can't do, she excels in. She got the other genes. Well, you mentioned there, Gretchen, with the demanding, you know, schedules of working in sports, nights, weekends, early mornings, how would you encourage other parents in this industry to find time to be both successful personally and professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to make their own decisions for what works for them, right? Um, I I do better overly scheduled, which is not, you know, it's not the 
greatest thing. It's just I, I happen to I happen to function well that way. So shared calendars, I I highly recommend. Um, if it's not on the calendar, it does not exist. It so, doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Like I put when I'm going to go to the grocery store, like it's on it's on my calendar, it's on my husband's calendar. Like we we know when that we know when that is happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it's at the end of the day, like work work kind of comes and goes, and so. Yep. Um, you know, your family is, is always, you know, what's most, what's most important, but you got to balance what's going to make you your best self. And sometimes right, right. that's, you know, sometimes that's being a hustler. So yep. Absolutely. Well, you know, now onto your illustrious career path there in Houston with the Rockets, you go back when, when you left Portland, you started out as an account executive, quickly worked your way into leadership, went from assistant manager to manager of inside sales, director of ticketing, senior director, VP, you had multiple roles as a VP, to now CRO. So what do you feel like you did on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted and, and ultimately grow to where you're at today? Um, that's a good question. Sometimes I wake up and I go, <laughs> I don't know. Like, do they know who they put in this? <laughs> Um, cause you know, it's like when you say, when you're at, when you're at the same place for, for as long as I've been, right. That, that can be, it's awesome, but it can also be challenging because sometimes I walk in here and I still feel like, you know, the 23 year old kid that was, you know, that was selling tickets or that started, you know, when we started our inside sales program and it takes me a bit sometimes to remember, you know, where, where I am, um, now. I mean, I think it was, you know, trying to become an expert and what, what my core part was and, you know, and generally caring more about what happened in our organization than I did what was happening for me um, at that time and putting those things first, I, I, you know, worked out. No, absolutely. And looking back when you hired really good people to do really good things. Hiring the right people around you. Yeah. Yeah, like going back when you first started and, and you were selling at a high level and you quickly went into leadership, why did you know, you know, and a lot of our listeners are saying, all right, you know, maybe they're at that point in their career. Hey, should I keep going and selling into maybe premium seating? Should I go into the sponsorship route? Do I want to get into leadership? Like why was leadership the right fit for you? Like what, looking back on that, why did you want to get into leadership? I don't know if I wanted to. I just, it just happened. Yeah. Um, uh you know, my, my now husband and I were dating at the time and we were opening Toyota Center. And I think, again, I think it was the, the risk reward kind of fear thing that I talked about, about what's like the worst thing that could happen. So we were starting an inside sales department. I had been in an inside sales department when I was in Portland. At the same time, Toyota Center was opening and anyone in this industry knows if you have the opportunity to sell when a building is open, like yep. kind of hard to pass that up, right? The commission is not terrible. Um, <laughs> And at the same time, they were starting this inside sales department. They're like, eh, we don't really know what's going to happen with it, um, but we're going to give it a shot. They had done it as a test run, and we're looking for someone to to run it and manage it. And I remember talking to my boyfriend at the time, you know, to Ken. I was like, should I do it? Otherwise, I can sell sweets and sell this. And he was like, you can always, like, once you've sold, he's like, you can always get the sales job, sales right? Sales job back. Like, these positions do not come open very often and you just got to jump in with with both feet and I don't know if I would have um, so he encouraged me a lot to kind of go go all in to that um, in into that route right which turned out into, to be management leadership 
And, you know, going into your leadership career, you briefly mentioned, you know, hiring really good people, um, you know, to, to help lead the team and run parallel paths. And, you know, I know the Houston Rockets have always been known to really focus on retaining top talent. You were certainly one example. But in, in addition, you've been able to keep your teams pretty intact as well. And so why is that so important for you to maintain the consistency and ultimately culture in all the different departments you oversee? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's something to say for, you know, fresh fresh eyes and we we talk about it very openly and honestly in our organization. It's that you know, our best quality is tenure and our teamwork and we know, you know, we know how to work together, we get things done really efficiently, but at the same time, we're like that's also our biggest exposure because we know all of those things and, you know, how do we how do we still keep a fresh look? So we challenge each other every day, every week, every month, every off season to make sure that we are not getting complacent, that we are staying gritty, that we are still approaching this, you know, with, with a fresh set of eyes. Um, but, you know, for, we, we've always had a great culture here. You know, our, our CEO is awesome. We've, we've, um, our franchise has changed ownership, you know, not, I say recently, right. But it's been, it's been four years now and we've stayed right. relatively intact. Like that does not, happen we're like the unicorn of, right right of like, of like sports careers and franchises so I, I tell people that a lot right that that want to get into it that you got to be ready to if you really want to do this you got to be ready to move and and take that next opportunity um but that that really has not been the case here like we've got you know most most all of our leadership has has grown here um right. yeah and so with that, you know, like any organization, you start working around the same people. They became they become your friends, um, you know, and, and a lot of times you see them more than your family. And you talked about, you know, really making sure in the offseason you're challenging each other to think proactively and innovatively. Like what is your advice to listeners of like, hey, yes, some of these people that are working alongside you and, and for you and with you may be your friends, but it's okay to challenge them because it's all for the best reasons. Like I know a lot of people in our business struggle with that. Yeah, it's um it is it's challenging when you've worked with someone for a really long time, right? To to um to push to do something different or to change, particularly when it was like your idea or their idea. That's the interesting right. thing. Like, you know, we're looking at things, I'm like, why on earth are we doing this? Like, why would we do this? They're like, uh, cause you put that into <laughs> play. Yeah, you put it so, into play. So for me, it's like I've got to recognize that a lot of the things that I want to change is like stuff that I, you know, some process that I put into place that, you know, maybe there's some level of not wanting to change it because I'm still here. So making sure that, you know, that that is open where they realize that that is that that's the case. And then for me, it's just being authentic and making sure that you're that you're doing the same out of yourself that you would expect other people to do. And I, yep. I think that's something that my team would agree with is that I don't push them or ask them to do anything that I wouldn't, I'm not pushing myself and right. doing that as well. So. No, absolutely. Well, Gretchen, in your role now, you're overseeing multiple different verticals of the business. And so how did you go about learning some of those other areas of the business that, that weren't necessarily in sales or what you've been used to or what you kind of built your career on? Yeah, I mean that's it's definitely that's definitely more challenging, right? It's a lot easier to manage areas that you've done before. Um but you know, it's just a it's it's a new skill and it's different, right? On how to manage and how to lead in areas that are not your core 
competency. Like, I understand regression analysis on pricing, but, you know, Winston, our strategy analytics team, like, I can't, you know, I can't understand coding and developing right. and some of this, right? But it's, but I know what, what is needed for, for our business. And same thing now with the marketing side and creative and creative services. Like, I'm not going to cut and edit a video and, you know, put together like the most amazing player intro or social campaign, but, um, but we know what we're trying to accomplish and just making sure everybody's rowing in the same direction. No, it makes sense. And so on to that point of, you know, now you are overseeing multiple different departments and certainly multiple different leaders with a lot of different personalities. So what's your advice on, on how to lead other leaders, knowing that not all of them are going to be led the same? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely um, something that I'm constantly trying to grow at and we'll mess it up more often than not. So being okay with that, right? Yep. Being vulnerable a little bit. Yeah, and for me, it's like it's just being authentic on what you know and and what you don't know, and um, and I think I think people know that about me, right? That you're gonna yep. you're gonna get what you're gonna get. I'm gonna tell you kind of how it is and be as be as truthful and transparent as as possible. So, Gretchen, for yourself and your career, you know, I know you've had many calls and opportunities over the years to to join other organizations, but you've been able to continue to grow internally, and so. What were some key factors in making those decisions throughout your career that, you know, some of them you probably listened a little bit further than others, but ultimately stayed there in Houston? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that I've, that I've learned, and I didn't learn this until, you know, I got old and later in life, is that, like, comparing your, your career or your journey to somebody else's or what you should or shouldn't do because that's what is supposed to be next and what you're doing, um, I kind of threw that out the window a while ago. And, um, you know, I, I give I give people, I give my team this exercise all the time when they're feeling antsy or, or trying to decide if they want to do something else. I'm like, just write down your perfect job description on what you would want to do every day. And part of that should be how do you feel when you go to work? How do you feel when you come home? And how do you feel, right, like when you're working, not just, you know, what are the bullets on the job description? And people ask all the time, like, what would you do if you didn't do what you are doing now? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I've never thought about it. Like, I love my job. And I have always loved my job. And I love the people that are here. And I love our community. And I love our fans. And, I, you know, it's just, it has literally become a part of me. And so when you're thinking about if you want to do something next, it's like, how good is that? you know, supposed opportunity versus like, are you happy? And like, if you're happy and you can take care of your family and you have what you need. Like I recognize that that is a privilege that I have that not everybody has, but um, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's not worth it. Sometimes the, the risk is worth the reward and sometimes it's not. I think you get the nail on the head. It's just making sure you have a passion for what you're doing. You know, and if you have a passion every single day, you're going to be excited. You're going to love what you do. And, you know, going along those passions, you've obviously had a, a very illustrious career. And as we've mentioned multiple times here, you've spent over 20 years with the Houston Rockets. What has been the most rewarding part of your experience? The most rewarding part of my experience. Um, yeah, I think the most rewarding part is, like, is is like still being here and thinking you know it's like you'll walk you know you walk the building or you um you know 
see a college like acceptance from, you know, a one of your colleagues' kids who you remember when they were born, right? So right. I think just yeah, I mean I think that's I think the most rewarding the the most rewarding part is that like I still love coming to work every day. Yeah, the passion, the relationships yeah. you build. Well, Gretchen, this has been great. You're an SBJ 40 under 40 winner. I've had an amazing career, and to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Um, I will try. I looked at some of your questions then. So we'll <laughs> All right. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? So I will. I have no fashion. and I know that you guys cannot see us, but, like, I'm in a sweatshirt and jeans in my office. And Travis is at his house <laughs> in a suit and a tie. So, like, if you're wondering I'm... if he lives up to his hustle name, like, he's getting dressed <laughs> every day. He's wearing a suit and a tie in his house, and I'm in a sweatshirt. So, um I think as long as I think as long as jeans, flip flops, and a t-shirt are like acceptable attire, like that, I'm good with that. So. You're in, yeah. And nobody's ever claimed I have good fashion. It's just that's what I wear, <laughs> suit and tie. So uh, now, if you're hosting a, a late night talk show, you're obviously wearing jeans and a sweatshirt. Who's your first guest? Serena Williams. Okay, why is that? Because she's a badass. That is indeed. That is indeed be a lot of a lot of great questions and, and guidance there what was the last thing you completed on your bucket list so I don't really have a bucket list but um over which I should have now you have me doubting on why I don't have a bucket <laughs> list um but we went to uh, uh we went to Big Bend in the Guadalupe Mountains over spring break a couple weeks ago and we hiked the Guadalupe Peak which is like a nine mile round trip hike uphill so we hiked to the highest peak in Texas. So that, that's that was, awesome. that'll be my answer. I'm sure when in the family and great photos, I'm sure everybody loved it. And so to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, I would say stay happy. So if you decide that you're doing something that doesn't make you happy, you need to find something else. Um, commit to what you're doing. And don't compare your journey to others. Couldn't agree more. You know, we talk a lot about if you're not happy, you're never going to be successful. Um, and you got to be committed. You got to have a passion for your craft and your brand and commit to what you're doing on a consistent basis. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many different career paths and different verticals to go. Don't compare. Do what's best for you. That's going to make you passionate and happy. So, Gretchen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I really appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks for having me. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.